What's up? What's going on, everybody? This is Super Dave back again with another episode of the PA Political Revolution podcast. And today we have a very special guest today, uh, one of the one and only um, John Beard. We have the John Beard, uh, former council members right here, ready to speak with us about the uh, Valero situation. Mr. Beard, can you go ahead and give yourself a brief introduction and let people that's been living under a rock know who is all and what about your, um, your um, the Port Arthur Can um, nonprofit group? Sure, Dave. Uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, first of all, I hope nobody's living under a rock. I mean, but right. the way things are going with uh, the economy and this COVID-19, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not making a joke out of it, but a lot of people are concerned about uh, their living conditions. And so uh, that's part of the reason why with that, as well as what's going on with Valero, that uh, this organization came into being, PACAN, or basically Port Arthur Can, P-A-C-A-N. <laughs> Uh, which is a 501c3 nonprofit community-based organization that addresses environmental and community-related issues. And I am the founder, chairman, executive director of PECAN. Uh, and I live here on the west side. I'm born and raised here in this town. Uh, y'all know me, and I know some of y'all. Right. <laughs> but we've tried to, uh, what we're trying to do is get as much information as we can with regard to the uh, potential buyout that Valero is looking at and answer some of the questions citizens have so we can give them uh, information they can use. So if they are property owners, uh, they will have a very good understanding of what they need to do and how they need to look out for their best interest. Or, or basically, Dave, I'd like to say it in the words of Kemp C. Yes. We want to help folks who are interested in selling get the most, not the lesser. We're not, not telling nobody what to do. <laughs> but uh, it's about getting the most, not the lesser. We don't want to see our people get uh, taken to the cleaners or underpaid or undersold. Right, and, th- and that's very important. And first off, could you tell us what's the reason why Valero wants to uh, purchase this property from what you know? Well, back when I was on council and even before then, there was always talk of a, a buyout. You know, for those of you who've been around long enough, the area around Total Refinery on the far east end of town as you're going to uh, Bridge City, right. uh, they brought out that community that was basically along the fence line. Well, a lot of what we have here on the west side with uh, Valero and other refineries, uh, you have homes just right across the street and along the fence line or right across from the tank farm or directly across some pipelines. Right. And this is, not, this is not a good situation, but that's the way it was back then. But today it's different. When you know better, you do better. And it took the federal government coming in here to get people to move Carver Terrace and, you know, because of the threat, the imminent danger from the possibility of a fire explosion and how it would affect those people. And by the fa- and by virtue of the very fact that you know these are volatile chemicals that can burn and can explode and can damage and hurt, harm people and property and lives, you have a responsibility to do something about it to make sure that those people aren't affected or otherwise you become liable for those damages yeah. and that loss of life. So as to, to, far as I know, historically speaking, Valero wants to create a little bit of distance between the refinery's fence line and the community and itself. And what they propose, or what I think they're trying to propose, is having what's called a green belt or a buffer zone between the two so that people aren't so directly affected. Now, the devil will be in the details as to how they work that out and how they're going to do it and make it compatible with the type of community that we have and where people live. Right. And I also... We've we've heard from um, the mayor. I believe the mayor has given a, a, a presentation on his Facebook um, on his Facebook um, account 
stating that they're probably going to also use it for a parking lot. Have you heard anything about that, or what's your take on that? We've heard that as a rumor. However, that, in my opinion, and I'm speaking strictly for me and strictly for my organization and what we believe, knowing yes, about this historically, those two uses are incompatible. Okay. If you're going to buy it out and make it a buffer zone, you can't make it a buffer zone and a parking lot because the parking lot brings a whole other set of troubles and problems with it. And what we're trying to do is to enhance the quality of life. And a parking lot in the middle of a neighborhood, no matter if there's 10 homes or 10,000 homes, it's not a compatible use, not in, in the respect that they want to do it. The word has always been what previous councils and previous citizens groups and all have said from back in the late 80s till today is that if they're going to buy the area out, that you have to turn it into a green belt so that you keep some separation between the people that remain or stay behind or the other part of the community and the refinery. Long story short, we're too close. We're just far too close. And every time something happens, you know, if the refinery sneezes, we get pneumonia. Right, right. We don't need to be affected in that way. So that's, the, that's really the intent and purpose of that is to create some distance between the two. Kind of like social distancing, right. I guess you could yes. say. And, um, and also I have a, I have a kind of like a confusing question I want you to see if you can kind of clear up. Uh, can, can the city of Port Arthur sell, well, can the citizens sell them the land and have them only use it as a green belt, or once they purchase the property, they can use it as what they like? Well, first of all, what you have to understand is the land that they're purchasing is residential. It's a residential area. Right. And as such, the, that zoning takes precedence over whoever buys it for whatever purpose. Okay, gotcha. You can't go, uh, and you, you, in other words, in order to change it from residential to industrial, they would have to go through an entire process with the city and have a public hearing and discuss this and discuss it with the community. That's one of the things we want to talk about, that if they're looking at this, they need to be upfront with people because if I'm living across the street from the buffer zone, nothing's separating me but the width of the street from the buffer zone, and they're deciding to put a parking lot there or a lay-down yard or some facility, that's going to create a problem for me. You know, I may have not been bought out, but now what they're doing is affecting me. So if you're going to buy anybody out, then why not buy me out too? Because right. I'm being affected. Right, absolutely. So we need to make sure that we have all of the facts and the information. I don't know if that's their plan. Uh, I've read some accounts that they said it's, it's not going to be for that purpose. However, we know how things can happen. And I'm going to just be very point blank with you. When Carver Terrace was being discussed to be moved, uh, the word was that, you know, when HUD came down, the housing and urban development people who give money to develop these types of projects and all, uh, because Carver Terrace has had a lot of repairs done to it over time. And most recently, and especially after Rita in 2005 and Ike in 2008. Okay. Plus, they had to abate the asbestos in the facility, because that place has been there since the late 1950s. Right, right. When they used asbestos, but we didn't know what we know about asbestos back then. But Absolutely. now we know better. So they had to remediate that. You couldn't have people living there in a condition that could make them sick. So in the course of them coming down and seeing all this money for rehab and rehabilitation being spent on these apartments, they came from Washington and, and, and the uh, regional office in Houston and took a look at it. And in the course of touring the complex, they looked across the street and saw these pipelines on Terminal Road. And they saw that old tank farm behind the facility as well as across the street. So they said, well, what's in those tanks and what's in those pipelines? And none of the local people seemed to have an answer. 
So they said, well, we need to find out what's in there because because that might be a problem. And it was a problem. And the problem was, if you even pass by there today on Terminal Road, you will see signs talking about light hydrocarbon. Well, light hydrocarbon can be anything from butane and propane to gasoline and to even light naphtha. Right, the ethylenes, right? Right. uh, If if there are ethylenes there, ethylenes really are derivatives. You don't get it directly from uh, petrochemical refining. It's a byproduct. But just the same, but just the same, the problem is this. If one of those pipelines should rupture or there's an explosion or something should damage it in the course of them doing work and there's a fire, because of the effect of radiant heat from gasoline and those higher light-end chemicals, which burn very hot, that could potentially impact the people living across the street and in the neighborhood. Effectively, they would be, depending on the size of the tank or the pipeline and the area and the substances in it, they would be in what's called the hot zone. Okay. And the hot zone means even if the fire isn't on you, the radiant heat from it. You know, if you're ever going by the old heaters in your house, uh, the old space heaters, and you stand away from it, you're not exactly up close, but you can feel the heat. That's right. radiant heat. That's radiant heat. Absolutely. That radiant heat can be hot enough where it can set buildings in the close vicinity on fire. Right, right. And it can even burn and damage you. You don't have to be in the fire to get burned. Right. Yeah, but that's that's one of the considerations. So they're trying to get this distance to keep that away. But mm-hmm. in the course of talking about trying to do a laydown yard or a uh, parking lot, You've got a whole other set of conditions and circumstances that's going to be a problem. But long story short, I don't think they can do it because you'd have to require a change of zoning from residential to industrial to be able to do that. And I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. I don't see it happening. I don't think the community would stand for it. Right, right. Okay, okay. So so what, what, what? take me through the process like as an actual citizen – that's uh, that's looking to get bought out. Who's going to actually come to them? Like, is it going to be an attorney? Well, they, they have they have a gentleman I think by the name of because I've seen on several of the letters David Delgado. Okay, and he's their point man, I guess you could say, for talking to people about these buyouts. And usually, what they've done, they sent letters to people and asked if they're interested, and then they follow up with a call to see what it is. Well, the first thing I would say a person who's interested in being bought out or wants to be bought out is to find out what's actually the value of your property. Right. And there are a number of ways you can go about doing that. Uh, and then once you do that, there are other considerations. You know, suppose you have a rental property there. You know, your family, you, you rent that property out. Well, they say, well, we want to buy the house and the property it sits on. That's, that's well and good. But what's going to happen to your rental income? You won't have that income anymore, so you've lost it. So there has to be some compensation for rental income. Okay, that's a good idea. Then, that's a good. I, I, I really haven't thought about that. Right. Then suppose you want to say, well, look, I want to. I still want to have rental property because you know that's income I get every month. Right. And that kind of helps tie me over because I'm on a limited income with my job and whatever. This is how I make a little money on the side. Right. Absolutely. Well. You want to have, you want to replace that piece of property. So you have to also consider what is the cost to replace that property yes. if that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not just simply the value of the land because one of the things we told people that I had discovered and we found out after uh, Hurricane uh, Tropical Storm Harvey was that property in Port Arthur is significantly undervalued by as much as forty percent. Well, that's to say 
if you if you have a patch of land, just a lot, a vacant lot, and that lot is worth a thousand dollars, that lot is actually worth fourteen hundred dollars because there's a forty percent increase in its value due to the fact that property in Port Arthur, be it a home or be it the land itself, is undervalued by forty percent. Right. And forty percent of that thousand would be four hundred. So that's why your property would go up from a thousand dollars to four hundred to fourteen hundred dollars in value. Okay, let's go then ahead. You, then you got a then you got a whole other set of conditions when you have a house on the property, right? Or you have other what they call improvements. So you've got to take that and and there's a number of things you really need to sit down and think through very hard and carefully about to make sure that you're getting the most value for what you want to do in case you want to sell. Okay, Let, let's go ahead and take a step back. Um, I'm assuming that a property investor, they'll probably have a little bit more information about finding different properties and values for the average homeowner, right? What would be some things mm. that they can go ahead and do to try to, to find the value of their property? Well, they can, they can, you can do this, but there are two things you have to, you can do. Mm-hmm. One, you can check the appraisal district value, JCAD, jcad.org, and see what your house is appraised for. You pay property taxes and all of that. Well, they've got that information. However, that's their assessment that they do. Right, that right. assessment may not it may not be the actual value. It's the value where you are. But then when you have a property appraisal, which is you can pay for and get done, a property appraisal will not only look at your property but compare it to comparable properties in other parts of town and even in some of the surrounding cities. Okay, a property appraiser. How would, how would somebody go by and do that? Well, you'd have to go, you could go online and find a property appraisers in Port Arthur okay. or in the area. You could go uh, to the yellow pages and do that and just seek them out. Or you can call a realtor and ask them if you know somebody that's a realtor involved in real estate. Uh, you know, who do they know that's a good, reputable uh, a property appraiser and see if they can give you an appraisal on your value. Okay, so so a property appraiser is a, is a separate company, somebody that comes out and just does a... Um, just a good appraiser, um, a property appraiser, and those, and that's somebody you'd have to pay out of your pocket. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. If, oh. Especially if you want to sell, it's up. It's worth it to you oh, if yes. your property is valuable enough to to know exactly what you want to ask for. Because what you don't want to do, and let's take this hypothetical situation. Let's yes, go sir. through a tabletop drill. Mm-hmm. Say, for, say for instance, your property is valued at a thousand dollars. Right. First of all, you got to look at the fact that it's undervalued by four hundred dollars. Well, undervalued by forty percent, right? Four hundred dollars. Yes, sir. So now your property goes from a thousand to fourteen hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. But also, you might say, well, you know, this family, this property's been in my family for a number of years, and my daughter or son-in-law, some kinfolk I have, uh, you know, have talked for a number of years about building a home here, and they're interested in doing it. So if I sell this property, I won't have that property to build on anymore. So the question next comes is, what do I have to do to replace it? I mean, how much is it going to cost for me to get a similar lot either in the same part of town or in another part of town? So that means you got to look and see what property is going for. If your lot's 50 by 150, which is the normal size here on, in the west side, uh, pretty much. Right. Uh, then you go and look for the, look at other properties. Well, other properties in town might be valued as high as $5,000 right, or maybe right. even higher. If you go out to like in the Stone Gate in the Newtown area, it can be anywhere from ten to $20,000 or more. Absolutely. So if you're going to replace that with similar property, then 
$1,400 may not even be a down payment, especially if you need five to $7,000 in order to purchase another piece of property. Absolutely. So you have your replacement cost. So you would figure that into the equation. So if they decided to ask you, well, what would you want for your property? You say to them, well, I know what the value is, and what I'm looking for is enough to be able to replace this property. And it's going to cost me $7,7500. So they would consider it and see what it's, you know, if they could work with that. And they'll either tell you yes or no. Uh, if they tell you yes, then you got a deal if that's what you want to do. If they tell you no, then you need to make have them give you a counter offer. So there'll be some back and forth in regards to this. But okay. that's the way it has, you know, that's pretty much how it's going to go. Okay. And that point person, is that person an attorney or just uh, kind of like a liaison from the um, plant to? I'm not sure. He has a title, but he's their agent that helps the negotiations. What he'll probably do is get with the lawyers and attorneys and others because I'm quite sure that most of this land has already been looked at. They've looked at every lot. They finally have a dis the legal description. They've got all the information they need to know what they want to offer in the areas that they want to buy out. So, you know, you need to have the same information. And you and unfortunately, you can't get it from them. They're not going to give it to you. So you've got to do your own homework. And you've got to know what you want, what's the value of your land, and what you want for it. How much is it worth to you? And that's where you work from there. They're saying, oh, it's only worth $1,000. You say, well, for me to replace it and have property and keep this in my I guess you'd say portfolio as an investment, you know, of properties that I have, I'm going to need at least $3,000, you know. Well, yeah. you might work it out and you might end up getting, you know, 2700 or 2500 you know. But 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 of anything you want to do, you want to get enough to be able to say, well, it was worth the sale and I can replace it and do that. Once again, we are not here to tell anybody what to do, just to give information and give guidance on the process and make sure, like Kemp say, get the most, not the less. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're absolutely right on that. And just some other things. I want to just briefly talk about some other things that some um, that citizens could take in consideration. Like, for instance, could you talk a little bit about moving expenses? Well, yeah. Uh, if you have to move, you know, if you have a house there or you're living there, you, you're also going to have to look at replacement costs for you to get in another house that is similar or like, whether it's by renting or whether it's by owning. If you own the house, then you've got that value to take into account. So you want to know is what would you would want to know is uh, if I've got a two bedroom, three bedroom, two bath, two car garage, you know how much is how where can I what is the cost in Port Arthur for me to buy a house of that similar fashion, and that has, and that figures into it, you know you have to you have to figure out what that's going to cost in terms of you making that exchange. So I'll move, and you can have this, mm -hmm. but I need to get enough to get that so I'll have a house. Some people may say, you know, they may not give you enough where you can do it without having to, you know, start a second mortgage. You're a lot right, of people right. may not want a second mortgage, so that's something that you have to consider. But it's, it's all of those things related to what it is you want and what is it going to take to make you whole and complete. So that if you move and I've already paid for my house, I'm not going to start another house note. Right, yes, so absolutely. I've got to get enough money. I got to get enough money to get in another location, comparable, uh, a comparable home to where I'm at, and and to be able to do this. And once again, if you've got a home, regardless of the nature of it or condition, that you've got forty, you know, forty percent of that cost, you're going to have to add to it because 
your present home in that area is undervalued. Right. And also, um, a lot of people don't don't look at utility hookups. Can you kind of briefly explain a little bit about um, utility hookups and if there may be some balloon initial payments on that? Right. You, you've got your utility hookups to consider. You've got your relocation costs. You've got everything that would be involved for you to go from one place to the other, moving costs, you name it. All of that should figure in. So if, so if you're going to make a deal with them, that should be part of your, I guess you'd say, offering to be able to tell them, well, yeah, here's what it's going to cost and what it's going to take for me to move. You want what I got? That's fine. But here's what it's going to take. Because I've got to move. I've got moving expenses. I've got the utility hookups. I've got uh, other transportation costs. I've got to close a deal on this house and all of that. I need the whole shooting match in a nice little neat bundle and package. And if you can meet that, we got a deal. If not, then we got to keep negotiating. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. And and, and uh, the next question was you kind of um, spoke on it a little bit. It was closing costs, and uh, right. and, and pretty much for people that haven't actually sold the house before, um, closing costs is pretty much the the cost that it is to finish the deal, right? That's right. That's oh. right. Your closing costs is to finish the deal, pay out any uh, title fees and searches that are involved in it, basically to get everything ready so that the deal can be closed, the sale can be made. Okay, and also before before we get in, before we even talk about that, um, do do we have to have some? Uh, what about a title? Do we have to have? Can we have a lien, a title, or delinquent taxes on there? How will we have to? Well, that that's something that you're going to have to either the individual or the company is going to have to look at trying to clarify. But mostly they're going to go with the person of record who has clear title. Right. Okay. If it's tied up in the family, then there has to be some resolution as to who has ownership, either the taxpayer who's paying the taxes if they're current or the actual property owner. But that's something that has to be sorted out in a legal fashion. And it's going to pay for people if they do have property tied up that way to be able to untie it, to be able to make it clear and simple so that here's what we're asking for. Here's what we want. Uh, and they can, you know, settle up with everybody and take care of it in such a way that that's not an issue with them having to sell. You know, there might be some members that don't want to sell. So how are you going to handle that? If enough members do and, and, and they outweigh the people that don't, then you have to figure out a way to deal with that. Right. But that's, a, that's a, a, a major thing, too. Another is people having to make a call to the uh, tax appraisal office, the, the tax, uh, tax assessor's office, rather, and find out about any delinquent taxes and and all. And they might just simply want to ask, well, you know, I own some property and I've had been approached by someone wanting to buy it and I know it's got back taxes. Uh, how, would, how would I go about doing that? Would they pay me and I pay you? Or would they have to pay the back taxes first? Or just what can we do? Right. And there's been cases in the past that in order to get the back taxes on this property or to get the taxes on it, uh, or to make the sale, rather, to make the sale of the property, that some of the property buyers have either had the taxes paid off, or in some cases, they waived the taxes. Okay. But that would only be between the buyer and the uh, tax office themselves, you know. But one thing's for sure, if you sell the property, you're not, you're going to have to pay, you, somebody's going to have to pay the taxes. That's all it is. There's going to have to be some arrangement right. to deal with the taxes. Sound like you got a little young one back there, Dave. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. The baby is screaming loud, and I'm surprised he can kind of come through on the microphone right now. I'm surprised of that. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, what, what, what's the way that what's the way that they can reach you at? What, what's the way they can reach the, uh, the Port Arthur Community Action Network? What's the phone number? Oh, 
Or you can reach the Pecan through me. And uh, my number is 409-626-1179. That's John Beard at 409-626-1179. For those of you uh, who don't have caller ID, you're going to have to leave a message because <laughs> I do screen calls. <laughs> That's good. And, and, you have to and, do that now. For those of you that have a, and for those of you with the cell phone, uh, you're going to have to send me a message first or leave a message, and we'll go from there. But I do return calls. Okay, and, and this number actually goes directly to you, right? That's right. Okay, okay. Um, that's great. I believe we've covered all the topics. If there's anything you want to say to close out this um, uh, this interview, go ahead and let us know. Well, the, the chief thing is, is uh, like anything else, know your worth and know your value. Don't go into a negotiation when you're talking about money and not understand all of the variables that figure into it. If you do, if you don't know, you need to find out. You need to be have all the knowledge and information you can about what it is you want to sell and what you want to get for it because I can guarantee you that Valero or anyone else, they're going to come in armed with all of that information. They're going to know what they want to pay and what they don't want to pay, how much they're willing to give you, what they're not willing to give you. So it's going to be up to you to make the best case for the fact that this is the price I want and I think this is what's fair and reasonable. And once again, we're not here to tell you what to, to offer or tell you what to accept or what's good. That's your judgment. We, ain't, we don't want to get in your business like that. But we do want you to have all the facts and information that you can have so that you go into this, as we said before, to get the most, not the lesser. Okay. Oh, great. I just, you just made me think of one more um, question I want to ask before we sure, uh, end the ahead. show. Um, what, do, do you think this process is worth getting an attorney, getting a paying for an attorney consultation for this, or to get one of representatives? Do you think it's worth that? Well, it depends on some, some attorneys will give you a consultation free of charge, and if they're willing to do that, that's fine. Uh, but then again, depending on the value of the property, if you've got a piece of property that's only worth $1,000 and yeah. you're going to spend, you know, you're going to spend three, four, five hundred dollars $500 to get a, an assessment done, and then right. you're going to turn around and try to get a lawyer, you're going to be upwards of some money real quick that uh, you may not get back because the property's value is not going to bring enough back to you. Right, absolutely. So right. that's why we're trying. That's why we're trying to give you information that you can pretty much easily research on your own and use your God-given sense and judgment to decide which way you want to go. Okay, great. It sounds like a winner. And Mr. Beard, I, again, I want to um, appreciate you. I want to thank you, and it's been my pleasure to having you on the show. And I bre- and I. Surely appreciate the. Hopefully, we can have you again in the future to go ahead and give us some information on this and also other topics. I hope you will sure. do that for us. Anytime, feel free to call. Okay, I appreciate that. And um, everybody, it's been another, another great ep- episode of the PA Political Revolution podcast. And everybody, take it easy. Peace. <laughs>